Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast of Community Bible Church in Savannah, Georgia. We hope you'll enjoy this sermon from the series Authentic, a study on the book of James. Let me pray uh, for our time in the Word, and then we'll jump in. Uh, Father in heaven, I'm thankful for uh, the privilege of sending a team uh, this past week to a place where just a hunger and a thirst for truth and righteousness, and thank you that our uh, folks, college age and others, were able just to pour in and love on folks and equip them and equip the church there, and I pray that there will be lasting fruit in both their lives and ours, that, that there's encouragement coming back and just a, a joy in serving and giving of self uh, in, in such a way that is pleasing to you, I know. And so I just pray for a long-lasting relationship there and that we would have a, a church that has a heart for the nations and not just our own, in our own lives. Um, as we open your word again, I, I just ask, Father, for your spirit to make whole a broken man here that really has no business sharing truth with people because I am uh, needy and helpless on my own. And so I just ask that your spirit, Lord Jesus, would fill me that would make me wise unto what I should say and what I shouldn't, that uh, the words of Scripture would be uh, just powerful as they are and that they would not return unto you void and that your church would be equipped to passionately follow you, uh, to love you, to impact our, our culture, our world, our, our houses, our, our everything. That's why we're here, Lord. It's not to feel good about ourselves, but to be equipped to know you more, to love you more. And so that has to be a work of your spirit. It is not a man-made thing. And so we, we beg you to just do that in our hearts right now and be glorified, Lord Jesus, in all that we think and say and do. In your name we pray, amen. All right, go ahead and turn, if you will, to James 3, if you have a Bible. If not, there's one in front of you, on the, unless you're in the front row, but uh, you can grab that, or you can just follow along on the screen um, as we continue through this little book of James. When you think about wisdom... You say, who's, a, who's the wisest person you know? Or who's somebody that you're like, this person's just wise? Who comes to mind? Okay, this person is a wise guy or gal, all right? Maybe, maybe, this, maybe this old cat, right? You're thinking, oh, yeah, electricity, that's good. Created that kind of thing, you know, or at least figured it out, flying a kite. Not so hot on the daylight savings time, but we'll give him a break on that one because he got electricity right, okay? Or how about this guy? Say, this guy's wise, right? E equals MC squared, did some good stuff, you know, I guess, I don't know, I wasn't a science major, I was PE, so I don't know what he did, but I'm sure it was great, he's become a figure of speech, what are you, Einstein or something, so I mean, you know, he's got to be somewhat smart, but I mean, think about that, what what makes someone wise? Who is truly wise? How do we know what wisdom looks like? Um... Who should we follow? Who should we listen to? I think if we're honest, all of us would say we want to be wise, right? We, we want to have wisdom. Uh, and I think everyone has their idea of what wisdom looks like. Everyone wants to impart their own wisdom, right? And so kind of the, 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 the folks I look to as my mentors of wisdom are guys like this, right? This is, uh, you know, <laughs> Sir Willy Wonka. I mean, in his wisdom, he says, if the good Lord intended us to walk, he wouldn't have created Roller skates. I mean, that's a smart statement. That's pretty wise, right? Or here's, here's kind of the epitome of wisdom for us, right? Is do or do not. There is no try, right? I mean, come on. That's wise. But the reality is this, right? We are followers of Jesus of Nazareth. And what we want to know is what does true wisdom look like? What does it look like? Where do we go for it? How do we identify it? 
what makes someone wise? Because while it may be true that the man who can catch fly with chopsticks accomplishes everything, Mr. Miyagi, right? Is that true wisdom? Is that what true wisdom looks like? And so we want to go on a search today for what does it look like? How do we identify it? Where does it come from? And who better to ask or listen to than the guy who grew up with God as his older brother? He grew up in the same house with the creator of the universe, right? So I think he has a little bit of experience when it comes to what wisdom looks like, don't you? So I think what he says should be maybe something we listen to. Right? And so we're going to look at that, just a couple verses today, really. Chapter 3, verses 13 through 18, as we've been continually working through this book. And we've seen so far that James, the half-brother of Jesus, has been writing to a group of Jews, Jewish Christians who are spread out throughout Palestine because of persecution. And life is just not where they thought it was going to be. And, and they're wrestling with all that. They're trying to make sense of it. And what he is saying is, here's what authentic, real faith looks like. And it's really been a book of contrast so far, hasn't it? True faith. Not true faith, dead faith. Being hearers of the word, being doers of the word. Today, he's going to talk about wisdom or not so much, right? What does it look like? Let me just read our text, and then we'll kind of unpack it and answer some of these questions, all right? Verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So he starts off asking the same question I did. Who is wise and understanding among you? Who thinks they're smart? Who thinks they got it all together? Who's the experts, right? That's what he's asking. And there's an assumption on his end that some of these folks he's talking to, they think they are. They think they're pretty wise. In fact, it's probably the same group of people he said in chapter three, verse one, don't many of you become teachers? So who, so, so who do you think? Is it Mr. Miyagi? <laughs> is it Spock, right? Is it Einstein? Who, who's the wise one here? And if we're honest, some of us probably, we wouldn't admit it because no, 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 we're in church. But if, when I say, who's, who's wise? Some of us are probably thinking, I'm wise. I mean, compared to these, look at it. Compared to this group, I'm wise, right? Right? I, I got my MBA. Been married 27 years. You know, I did, did a little Bible college. You know, I got experience. I started a business. You know, I'm, I'm 15, man. I'm wise, right? <laughs> Right? Some of us think we're wise. Right? And so what James is going to say is, okay, okay, wise guy, prove it. Prove it. In fact, in the Greek text, the next word after this question is show it. It doesn't come across that way in English because we, we have laws of grammar. But in Greek, there's no laws of grammar really. So the next word in, in the Greek is show it. In the English, it's by his good conduct, let him show it. He says, show it. You say, how? How do you show wisdom? I mean, do you want me to take an IQ test? Do you want me to take a doctrinal test? Do you want to see my diploma? What, what do you want me to do? I'm sure I have my SAT scores somewhere. I can find them. What do you want me to do? How do I show it? He says, show it how? By your good conduct, the works of meekness and the wisdom. He says, that sounds so familiar. That's so James, right? How do you know you have faith? 
Show me your faith. How do you know you're wise? Show me your wisdom. Because wisdom for James is not just, just smarts. It's not theoretical. It's not E equals MC squared. It's none of that. There's an intellectual piece, surely, but it's not simply knowing truth. It's the idea of, of showing the truth in your life, of, of, of excellence in living, of a skill in living. In fact, the word good there, it could be translated beautiful. And your beautiful conduct, show your wise how by the beautiful way in which you live. That's what he's saying. He's saying what someone famous, famous guy once said, stupid is as stupid does. Wisdom is as wisdom does, right? And this is a very Jewish way of thinking in the Old Testament, especially these, remember, this is first century Jews. They are familiar with Deuteronomy. They are familiar with Leviticus. And for them, God constantly says, here's how the world will see that you are wise when you keep my statutes and my laws. That'll be your wisdom and that'll be your understanding in the eyes of the world. Not in all how smart you are, but in the way you guys live, the way you follow me, the beautiful way in which you live, that is how the world will see that you are wise. And that's the exact same thing James is saying. How are they gonna know? They're gonna see it in your life. So how do we identify wisdom? Here's the first question. How do I ID it? Well, he says, here's a test. You don't need a number two pencil. It has nothing to do with your education. It has nothing to do with male, female. It has nothing to do with your job, your demographic. It doesn't even have anything to do with how old you are. It has everything to do with living a life with excellence. That is wisdom. Beautiful conduct. It's seen where? It's seen when you wake up and go to work tomorrow and you show up at work and just the way in which you carry yourself out at the office. It's just the way you kind of diligently work with joy and just with excellence do that job. It's seen 17-year-old, 22-year-old, and the way you talk to your mom and dad. Respect, honor, or not. Or husbands and wives in the way in which you talk to each other. It's seen in the, in the way in which you handle when you mess up and you either go and own it and fix it or you just kind of deny and deny and deny and hide. It's seen in the way you spend your money, where you give off the top, and then you save, and then you live off the rest instead of living beyond your means like the rest of America. It's why, it's just, it's just wisdom, right? That's what it is. It's the way in which you, very simply, it's the way in which you take care of your, your house so that the neighbors aren't like, my goodness, he trashes our neighborhood. He brings our value down. You cut your grass. You don't have to have, you know, the gardens of Babylon or anything, for goodness sakes, but you just take care of it so that you're, it's excellence in living. So that's wisdom. That's, that's what it looks like. Wisdom is as wisdom does. And notice again, he says, it's, it's seen in his works in the meekness of wisdom. There's a, a meekness in which you carry yourself out. And, and let's be honest, meekness for us is not something that we desire. We think meek, we think weak. It's the same way they thought in the early first century culture. For Greco-Roman thought, meekness was not a desirable characteristic. And it's, it's the same today. A bunch of guys wanna go camping? We're like, let's go camping. We're gonna eat meat and burn things. Yeah, let's go, all right? Well, I'm, can I bring my buddy around? Yeah, what's your buddy's name? He's James Joe. Tell me about Joe. You know, Joe, man, he's just the meekest guy you know. He's just meek, 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 reeks of meekness. Why don't you take Joe to your sewing class and come burn things with us when we go camping, right? Because we, we, it's a sign of, in our mind, weakness. 
But you got to remember, when Jesus describes himself, he says, I'm meek. Is he weak? This is the same Jesus who will tread the winepress of his father's wrath. This is the same Jesus who will rule the world, the universe, with a rod of iron. The idea behind meekness is, is strength under control. That's, that's the idea. There's power there, but it's fitting for the moment. That's the beautiful life. It's just fitting. And it doesn't have anything to do with degrees or letters after your name or how much ministry, whatever. It's just seen, and wisdom is as wisdom does, right? In the beautiful and appropriate way you handle life, college, high school, coaching your kid's baseball team, whatever it is, right? That's where we identify it. So it may be truly wise, Mr. Miyagi, look eyes, always look eyes. But when you're looking wisdom, don't look eyes, look life. Look at the life. And if you look and you see the following, James says, you might not be as wise as you think. Look at what he says next. He said, if you look, look, if you look, but if you have bitter jealousy and you have selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. He says, when you're looking for wisdom and you're searching your own heart and asking, am I really wise? If you see these two things, you're not. Number one, if you have, and notice it's a heart issue. He says, it's in your heart. If you have bitter jealousy, if you are just eaten up with envy, and everyone's tempted with envy, we get that. We, we're tempted with the American dream. We're tempted with things all the time. But if your life is characterized by you being eaten up, you're always, I wish, I want, I want there what they have. I wish my husband was like them. I wish my kids were as talented as them. I wish I had that. I wish, and you're constantly just envy, envy, envy. If you're eaten up with it, it's foolishness. It's foolishness. And if you have selfish ambition, and that's a word right out of the political realm, is there any selfish ambition in the political realm? No. Right? That, that idea, do anything to get ahead, whatever it takes, crushing whoever's in my way, at whatever cost, the end justifies the means. He says, if these are characteristic in your heart, and he says, it's, it's in the present tense, if these are there, if you have these right now, he said, that, that's not wise. And here's the thing about both of these things. You can have them and you can hide them and no one will know except you and God. I mean, you can go through all the motions and you can say all the right things, but in here, you know. That's why he says, are you really wise? Because if you see these things, you may think you're wise. He says, but stop lying to yourself. Stop being false to the truth. And, and he's fired up here a little bit. This is kind of like his, he's in close talker mode. Right? Because here's the guy who grew up with wisdom. He grew up and he saw what true wisdom was. This is, and this ain't it. This bitterness and this selfishness, this is not my brother. So stop lying and pretending. Stop. Right? And you've been, you've been around someone before, right, that, that they, they start talking like they know what they're talking about. And you do know what you're talking about. And they have no clue. And you're just like, just be quiet. You have no clue what you're talking about, right? It's like me, if I go over to Florence, Italy, and I go look at the statue of Michelangelo of David, and I'm like, you missed it. Mikey, you missed it. This is not David, right? Let me tell you how to do this. You know, the arms are cut off. Why are the arms cut off, Michelangelo? I don't even get that. What's going on here, right? Who am I to critique that? I, I got nothing there. It's the 23-year-old young guy who reads one John Piper book, and he wants to meet with the elders because he has ideas how the church should be run. And we just say, bro, go pay your cell phone for the first time, and then we'll talk, okay? <laughs> All right, come on. Uh, no offense. Right? It's that. Okay. It's, 
some, it's moms, sweet moms, when you go into the doctor and you're like, well, doc, I, I've been studying. I know you went to school for like 80 years, but I've just been studying. And there's this new website. It's called WebMD. <laughs> and, you know, I've been watch, looking at pictures, and I really think that this could be the, we should take this approach to this fever. And, and, and the doctor's just like, I, I think I got this, right? Stop. Stop. That, that's the idea. Stop. Stop pretending that you know what you're talking about. These are the opposite of wisdom. The, the, he already said that wisdom is meekness and there's humility there. These are not meekness and humility. These are, these are pride. This is all about you. What is selfish ambition? What is all these? It's about you. It's about your fame. It's about your glory. It's not about Jesus's fame. It's not about his worthiness. It's not about his worship. It's not about his preeminence. It's about you worshiping you, which is the foolish, most foolish thing you could ever do. When, when, when Paul in Romans 1 says, they think that they're wise, but they, they really are foolish. Why? Because they, they worship the creation and they serve the creation rather than the creator. And it is the epitome of foolishness. If I brought the minivan in, drove it down, down said, okay, everyone, minivans are cool. Minivans are great. You 22-year-olds don't know what you're missing yet. You will one day. And I said, everyone bow down in the minivan. Come on, everyone worship. How great thou art. I mean, we start singing to the minivan. You think that is the dumbest thing I'd ever done. You're right. Because it's just uh, something that's been made. It's been created like you. So stop worshiping you and worship the one who is the creator and blessed. It's the same thing. It's just we like ourselves more than minivans. And that's why he says it's foolish. It's, It's just foolishness. Don't, be, don't think you're wise if you're worshiping yourself, right? He says, because this is where it comes from. This wisdom is not that comes down. This doesn't come from above. This doesn't come down from the Father of lights and who there is, no variation or shifting shadow. This is earthly. It is unspiritual. It is demonic. It's from the earth. It is fleshly, or, or the, the word for unspiritual means soulish. This is the part of us that's rooted in the human reason where, it's, where it says, well, it's, it's true if it's true for you. I mean, whatever, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody, you got to be true to yourself. You, you can't deny who you are. You just got to be true to you. And if it feels good and it doesn't hurt anybody, you deserve it, just do it, right? That's, that's that kind of unspiritual wisdom he's talking about. And he says it's not brilliant because the best earthly wisdom can do is tell you what you can do, but it can never tell you what you should do, right? That, that comes from above, and he says it's demonic, and we, we, we always say, man, that's, James is strong. We think, oh, demonic, that's like, you know, drug dealing or something really bad like murder. You know, so he says, bitterness, demonic. Selfishness, it's demonic. Right? And you say, man, as a Christian, I can buy into demonic wisdom? Oh, I'm not so naive. I'm just not so naive. Are you smarter than Peter? Because Peter was deceived. Jesus says, I'm going to die on the cross. I'm going to rise again. And Jesus says, no, no, no. no. I mean, Paul, Peter says, no, 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 you're not. No, no, you don't know what you're talking about, Jesus. You're not going to do that. And he says, get behind me, Satan. You're thinking about man. You're thinking about earth. You're not thinking about the things above. If Peter can be deceived, can we be deceived? Can we buy into demonic wisdom? Absolutely. When it's about us, when it's about selfishness, he says, that's where it is. And what's the result? For where there is jealous and selfish ambition, what, what happens? There is disorder and there is every vile practice. It is relational chaos. 
That's what happens. When there is selfishness, and you've seen this, there's selfishness, there's bitterness, it's just chaos. And I think the best example of this seen in all the scripture, or at least the first example, is in Genesis 3. You got God, Adam, and Eve, and you got one rule. You can do anything you want, Adam and Eve. You can go anywhere, do anything, anything, climb trees, climb mountains, ride, don't, do whatever you want to do, eat what you want to eat, swim, run around, gallop, do whatever. Just don't do one thing, just one, one rule, just one, right? How hard can one rule be? And what does Satan come in the garden? And where does he appeal to Eve? Eve, God and your husband are keeping you down, right? They're, they don't know what they're talking about. And there begins this, this jealousy. I want to be in charge of my own life. You, you should be in charge of your own life, Eve. You should be able to call the shots. You can't eat the tree. I can't believe God won't let you eat the tree. And there's a jealousy there. Oh, that's right. And there's a selfish ambition because when she sees that it is good to make one wise, she eats it. And what is the result? There's devastation, death, chaos. Her, her fellowship with God and her husband are broken. They're hiding from each other. They're hiding from God. It's just a mess. Any wisdom, wisdom that doubts or questions what God has said is foolishness in regards to marriage, in regards to human sexuality, in regards to money, in regards to eternity, in regards to truth, in regard to relationships. Anything that starts with, well, God didn't really say or God didn't really mean I'm telling you, it is foolishness. And I don't care how many PhDs or theological whatevers are behind the name. When you hear, God, well, God didn't really mean, your, your spiritual ears ought to go up because that is foolishness. And the result is disorder and chaos. And some, let's be honest, in our lives, look, some of you have relational chaos going on in your home with your kids at the office. And it's always someone else's fault. Well, you know, it was them. Like if you're the roommate that you can't live with anybody, everyone's like, man, they just, I live here, I can do what I want, I pay my rent. What is that? That's selfish ambition. It may not be everyone else, believe it or not. Maybe you. Teenager, college student, if you're always bucking your parents, because you think they don't know what they're talking about. They've been there. We, we do have a little bit of wisdom. We were there one time too. And, and there's probably a little bit of, well, they, their parents let them do this. Why can't we do this? That's, that's jealousy. I, I, I have the right to do that. I'm 17 for goodness sakes. I know what I'm doing. I can see already movies legally now. I mean, great day, right? It, that, it's not your parents. It's probably you. And even in marriage, if there's just constantly war going on, why? Somebody has is, is, is got selfish ambition. And the idea of marriage, the reason marriage is, is pictures God but is so difficult is because the idea of marriage is you are laying your life down for your spouse, that the husband models Christ in giving himself away and the wife models Christ in that she puts herself under the father. Both are giving away their lives to the other person no matter what. And if you're constantly saying things like, well, I didn't sign up for this, oh, I don't deserve this and I just need to protect myself and you're fighting for your rights, then you're missing the point of marriage where you lay your life down for the other person. And look, that's, is that easy? No. There's there's always going to be conflict in marriage because you have two sinful people and you throw a dog and a couple sinful kids in there and it just becomes even worse, all right? 
But that's because you're, it's a challenge to lay your life down. It's a challenge to not try to seek yourself. It's a challenge to not be about me. It goes against everything because I want to worship the creation rather than the creator. But that's why there's chaos in some of your marriages and some of your relationships because you're all about you and not about what does this look like to seek the best of the other person. It's hard, but that's why there's relational chaos and that's why there's every vile thing. This is what you see in churches. When people come to churches to get, when it becomes the, the food boiler, the golden corral, where I just come and get a little bit of this, a little bit of this, when that is the mentality, it destroys a church because you're coming to get and not to give. If everyone comes to give of themselves, then everyone will leave full. If everyone comes to get, then everyone will leave starved. This is why we don't vote on anything. You know why? You wanna, you wanna create war in a church? Let people start voting. Well, I think the flowers should have been pink. Well, no, you don't know that because we're in the South and after May this, we should be white. And, but I mean, it's just like, you make it a Trinitarian issue here. The, the, the worst thing you can do is just start giving people preferences when it comes to things that really are not essential, right? Now, we're not going to pick some guy that is colorblind to pick the colors of the tile, but we're not going to say, hey, everyone, we got four different tiles, vote on it, because then these people are mad at this people because they didn't vote this and we're recruiting, and it's just chaos, right? Because we come to give of ourselves, not to get, and, the, and the, when, if you're here as a, as a church, and you're here to get and get, what's gonna happen is when you don't get that need met, what are you gonna do? You're gonna go to the next church, boop. And then you're gonna be happy for a little bit because you like this, like this, but then when they don't do this, you're gonna go to the next one. You're gonna hop and hop and hop and hop because it's about you and it's not about what it really is about because there's bitterness and there's selfish ambition. He says that's chaos, right? That's chaos. So the question is for us, so then where do we go? Where do we get this wisdom, Right? Where do I get wisdom then? If it's not from the earth, if it's not from demons, clearly, where do I go? And the answer is obvious. Just like in every three-year-old Sunday school class, what's the answer? Jesus, right? It's from God, right? He's already said in, in chapter one, who's, who, you want wisdom? Ask of who? Ask of God. But what does he say in the next verse? He says, the wisdom from above. He highlights it. It comes from above. It comes from up where God is represented. It comes from him. The only way you can be wise ultimately is from God. And the only way you, you can have that wisdom, you need to know, if we're gonna be wise, we have to know what God is thinking. We have to have ultimately the mind of Christ if we're gonna be wise. And quite honestly, that's impossible on our own. Just like it is, I mean, just like it is for you. You don't know ultimately what someone's thinking unless you can get in their mind. They can say one thing, but you don't know their mind unless you can be in their head. And this is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. Who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person? You don't know what they're thinking unless you get in their mind. You don't know what God is thinking. You don't know what his wisdom is unless you get his spirit in his mind, right? It's impossible to know unless you're there. It, it's, the, it's the age old discussion between husband and wife, right? You can be married 10 years, 15 years, 30 years, 50 years, and in 50 years of marriage, I've talked to guys, he's like, I still don't know what she's thinking. I don't, I don't, I'm learning, I'm better than I was, but I still don't know. And we constantly have discussions, right? That, what movie you wanna see? Oh, I don't care, honey, whatever you wanna see. Well, there's this new, you know, Rambo part eight. I really wanna see that, right? Okay, well, that's fine, let's go see Rambo eight then. Okay, good, it's, it's playing at the, at the tits. Are you sure you're okay? Yeah, it's fine, let's go see it. 108, you don't sound like you wanna, well, no, it's fine. <laughs> It's fine. Now what? What, what is it? What, what do you, well, there's just this one movie where this guy, he's in a coma, and, <laughs> and the girl waits for him, you know, for 30 years, and they find each other, and it's just, just you know, it's just this real sweet movie. I just thought maybe. Well, why didn't you say that? Well, I just, I wanted you to know what I was thinking. Well, I, 
How do I know unless you tell me? Well, I, you know, I just thought that you would want to see it because you'd know me and you'd know that I would want to see it. And so that you would want to then see it. Well, I don't want to see it. I want to see this. Well, but you don't know me then. You just don't know me. Uh, right? All right? And it could be Chinese food, movies. It could be a lot of things, okay? But the idea is, unless you get in the mind, unless you become one of them, you don't know what they're thinking. But that's the idea. How do you know the mind of God? How do you know what he's thinking? He has got to give you his spirit. And then what Paul says is, now we have received the spirit, not of the world, but the spirit who is from God. That God has given his people his spirit. Why? That we might understand the things freely given us by God. And then we impart this words, not this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The only way, y'all, that you can be wise, the only thing that separates the wise from the fool ultimately is God, the Holy Spirit. Okay, he is the one who makes wise versus foolish. It comes from above. And here's what's interesting. When, when James says that, that the wisdom from above, the Greek word there is the same exact word that John in chapter three, when Jesus is speaking, he says, you must be born again. You must be born from above. If you wanna have eternal life, you have to be born again. You have to be born from above. He says, you want, wisdom comes from above. Where ultimately does wisdom come from? When God opens your eyes to the gospel, you believe, you become a believer, you're born again, regenerate, whatever, whatever theological term you wanna say. That is when wisdom begins, which is great for us because that means it doesn't matter where you went to college, if you went to public school, if you're a 2-0 and go guy, if you got a 1,000 with on the SAT, both added together, it doesn't matter because every single one of us has the potential to be wise. Even the 12-year-old, even the 9-year-old, the 99-year-old. Why? Because it's based on the spirit and not based on you. That's where true wisdom comes from, from above, right? We all have that potential. And this is why the non-believer who doesn't have the spirit, does not accept the things of God. They are foolishness to him because they are spiritually appraised. So the teenager says, I'm gonna wait for marriage and me and my girlfriend, we're gonna be pure. That, are you crazy? That's dumb in their mind. You mean you're not gonna live together before we get married and test this thing out? That's dumb in their mind. You're gonna go down on your spring break and you're gonna spend $1,000 and go to some hot climate and no air conditioning and serve kids? That's a waste. Come with us to Panama City. It's dumb. You're going to spend your money on what? You're not going to go with us. Why? That's dumb because they don't have the spirit. So it's foolishness to them. Just like the gospel is foolishness to those who don't believe. I mean, a, a Jew killed on a tree, risen again for the forgiveness of sins. That's a stretch. It's dumb to those who are not believing. But to us who are, it is the power of God for salvation. It is true wisdom because God has chosen the foolish things to humiliate the wise in this world. And so don't try to convince a non-believer of your theological position. They cannot come to it because they are, they're spiritually appraised. What they need is to be born again. Wisdom comes from the spirit. And the wisest person in this room right now is the one who walks daily by the spirit. The one who sows daily to the, to the spirit. Paul says in Galatians 6, you sow to the flesh, you're gonna reap from the flesh. You sow to the spirit, you're gonna reap from the spirit. The wisest thing you can do right now is to build your relationship with Jesus Christ by his spirit and sow there, sow seeds there, invest in people's lives, love people, serve people well, read the scriptures, think, think on God, meditate, spend time in prayer. Those are the sowing to the spirit things that bring forth wisdom. 
I can tell you in my own life, when I am acting the biggest fool as a husband, as a dad, as a pastor, as a neighbor, it's because I am feeding the flesh and I am ignoring Christ in my relationship with him. I'm telling you. And some of us have great jobs and great everything, but we're acting like fools because we're sowing to the flesh. And there's 18-year-olds that are putting us to shame because they're sowing to the spirit. Right? So where do we get it? We get it from God, the Holy Spirit. Well, then what does it look like flushed out? Because that's what we want to be. I don't want to be a foolish church. So what is wisdom when you look at it? We see good conduct, excellent life. What does it look like? He gives us seven things, right, in verse 17. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial, and sincere. A bunch of things. First thing he says is wisdom is pure. Do you know who the wisest person in the room is? The person that pursues purity. It's that engaged couple that is committed to one another's purity. It doesn't matter if what they're doing, what their job is, that is the wisest decision they could make. As a parent, for you to, to protect your kids on social media, that is the wisest decision, to put filters on things, to, to protect them, to talk about these things open. That is the wisest thing you can, if you're just like, go ahead, tweet, do whatever, it doesn't matter, and you're not, you're not helping them there, that is foolishness. This foolishness, Right? not guarding there. You're, you're a young single gal. You're waiting for that guy to come along. The, the wisest decision you can do right now is to, start, is to be praying for that guy and his purity, for his wisdom, for his maturity in Christ right now. That's, that's wise. Parents, that you're praying for your eight-year-old boys and your seven-year-old girls and, and up, you're praying for their purity. That, that is wise. Those are wise. Anything, when you're pursuing purity, that is wise. When you're guarding your your, your eyes, men and, and women on the internet, that is wise. To pursue the lust of the flesh is foolishness. So that's wise. Right? He says the next thing is peace. And the idea there is not peace at all costs, but you pursue peace as, as much as you can. So you lose your temper with your kids, the wisest thing you can do is go own that and say, I'm sorry. That you lose it with your employees or your boss, or you, you, you slander someone, that you go and you, you fix it. That's wise. Hard but wise. That you don't assume the worst, first thing. That you don't attribute motives. Oh, oh I know that they did this. You don't jump to conclusions. That is wise. Those are wise things. He says gentle. The idea there is this, there's a yielding. You're willing to yield. You ever get on like I-16 and whoever the civil engineers are, they only give you like 50 feet to, to get on the highway here. And you're like, you're the guy in the right lane, and this guy just does Don't you understand? I have the right of way. Yield. You've got to slow down, not me. And he's just coming right next to you, and you're like, right? That's the idea in the, in the, in the physical world. Are, are you that guy that won't, you just won't yield? You won't, you won't pull over? You're just going to keep going? He said, no, no. Wisdom is you yield. So if your preference is this, you want to come home, man, and you want the house to be like this, and dinner to be this, and dog to be this, and this. But you know what? That's not even a real thing. It's not even possible. So you yield and you give up that. And you're like, you know what? I understand. Your roommate didn't do his dishes because he's got tons of exams or whatever. And you're gonna be like, I know it was his week. I'm gonna do it because for him. Because you know what? I know he's busy. And you're gonna yield your rights there. Right? That, that's yielding. Right? That's gentleness. It's open to reason. You're not domineering. 
When someone says, well, you always do this, and you always do this, and you always do this, you're not, oh, no, 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 I don't always do this, and you're always defending yourself, that you're actually willing to hear and say, you know what? I, I do that, you're right. I, I need to work on that. And you listen. You're not always having to give your two cents, you're listening. I went, told you a couple weeks ago when we were up at Windy Gap and spending time with these pastors who are much wiser and smarter and more gifted than me, and we're talking, they're talking strategy and all these things. What do you, what do you got, Fowler? I'm like, I got nothing. I'm just like thinking how dumb I am right now compared to y'all, and I'm just writing notes. So y'all talk, and I'm just listening, because I got nothing for y'all, right? It's just that ability to listen and to learn. Full, and I love that word, full of mercy and good fruits. There's a full, there's an excitedness to show mercy. We all love it when we get mercy, right? When we don't face the consequences of our sin, when God shows us grace and mercy, and we don't face what we should have faced, we love it. But then we see someone else get out of it, and we're like, oh, that's not fair. Ah. I, they need to learn their lesson. I'm gonna teach my kids that lesson. We're excited more about justice sometimes than mercy. And the person that is wise is excited when people show mercy. They're excited when people come to repentance. Why? Because God desires for all to come to repentance, so it should be our desire too. Right? And so they're, they're full of that. They're full of good fruit. It's overflowing. They're just merciful. And then he says impartial. And we looked at this a couple weeks ago, but the idea of you don't say, oh, based on externals, you're more important than them. That you'll go and ask that person to lunch because you never have before and they have nothing to give you, nothing to add, but you're gonna do it because you're just made in the image of God. They're impartial. You're gonna pray for that person because you never do. You always pray for that, but you never pray for that. There's just an impartiality. You're not giving favor to anybody. And then sincere. The idea is you're not fake. What you see is what you get. You're not putting on a show. You're not projecting. And we do this well, don't we? We project. The wisest thing you can do is just be honest. Had a fight. Me and the wife on the way to community group. Here we are. We didn't memorize Psalm 119 together on the way over. We fought. Right? <laughs> we didn't pray for this group. We yelled at each other. But you know what? There's an honesty there that's, okay, let's, let's talk about that. Why? Because she was late, because he was honking the horn. If the root was what? Selfish ambition and bitterness. And we can get to the heart of that when we're honest. But when we, when we fake, we can't. It's the wisest thing you can do is, is be you, own it, and, and let's, let's, let's move on together, right? And so what James is saying is, what, what does it look like? If you sum all that up, what does it look like then? What is wisdom? And these are things we should be pursuing, but what does wisdom look like? He's, he says, you know what wisdom looks like? He said, it looks like my brother. That's wisdom. It's, it looks like Jesus. And here's kind of a challenge maybe for some of us in the next month as we kind of build up to Easter. It's, why don't you take the next month and read one of the Gospels slowly? A chapter a day, two chapters a day. Read it to your kids, whatever. And just observe Jesus. Observe him. How does he interact with sinners? How does he interact with Pharisees? How does he interact with his men? How does he act when he's with, with the devil? How does he act on his own? And just learn from him. Because you're going to see all these things. So you're going to see full of mercy, open to reason, impartial, sincere, gentle, pure. That's what you're going to see. And that's what we want to be. And the result, he says in the end, is in the harvest of righteousness. I love that. There's a harvest of righteousness. You're going to sow righteousness. It's sown in peace. There's going to be peace by those who make peace, which is the fruit of the Spirit, walking by the Spirit, wisdom from the Spirit. It makes sense. And here's what we want to do as we move to worship, okay? Just as we move to worship, 
just be honest. I mean, if I ask again, who thinks they're wise now, you're, hopefully you'll be a little bit more hesitant before you're raising your hand. But look, we've all been foolish. We all have. And so we gather together and we admit our brokenness and our foolishness. And the wisest thing that you can do this morning, the wisest thing you can do is to turn from your foolishness and, and believe the gospel again, if you've already embraced Christ, if you're a Christian, that to go back to that and say, I've been a fool, God, show me where I am a fool and, and make me wise and let him grow you in that. We're all gonna be foolish until he comes, but he's gonna be making us more like himself. Maybe if you're not a Christian this morning, maybe the, 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 not maybe, the wisest decision you'll ever make is to repent of your sin and believe Christ, that he died for your sin and he took your place and rose again. That's the wisest decision you'll ever make because it's the one will, that will change eternity not just today. But as a church, just what we do is we, we admit that we're broken and that's why we're here. We needed a savior. We needed one who would die and rise again. That's why we're here to gather. And so as we worship, just wanna spend some time, ask the Holy Spirit in you. He knows your heart. He's not fooled. Where have I been foolish? I trust the spirit of Christ in you enough to, he's gonna identify, you know, and and. When he identifies those things, then you repent of those things and you say, okay, tomorrow, Lord, let me walk by the Spirit in this area and look for fruit. That, that's growth. That's sanctification. That's what we want to be. Don't just leave, yeah, I'm going to still be this and I'm going to still be that. Yeah, I've sang a few songs. That's foolishness. Th to be a hearer only and not a doer, that's a foolishness.